lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again, and uh, we're finally doing it. I know I've promised that we were going to cover For the Culture for nearly a month now, since it's been that long since the show actually happened, back on March 30th during WrestleMania week. Obviously, some things have come up, um, you know, and, but at the same time, it's a tradition on this show to cover For the Culture coming out of Mania Week, and specifically to cover it with my wonderful spouse, who, uh, again, puts up with the things that I ask them to do sometimes, uh, Casey. Hello. <laughs> I will stop making that joke at some point. Maybe it's just that I have like a self-consciousness about it. Yeah, my eyes rolled hard. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> That's okay, though, because I like every time you come on the show, it's always fun to kind of unpack a, a show with you or to get your and rather and get your thoughts on pro wrestling because I, I appreciate your uh, viewpoint on these things as well. And For the Culture is one show that we are both always up for checking out every year whenever it happens in April slash March, whatever. That that time span there. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, this is the fourth edition of For the Culture now, and the first one under the leadership of one Billy Dixon. Obviously, the first three uh, were the brainchild of A.J. Gray. Now the reins have been handed over to Billy, and we got uh, an awesome show out of that as well. Once again, For the Culture uh, kills it, no matter where you put them, uh, put the show on the, the card there at the Collective Weekend. Uh, this year, it was the one of the midnight shows on the, on the West Coast, which meant that East Coasters, if you stayed up till 3 a.m. to watch it, you were rewarded greatly. Uh, with uh, an awesome two-hour wrestling show here packed with uh, amazing talent who I feel like are starting to get featured more and more in other places, which is always the goal with a show like this, or one of the goals with a show like this, right? To showcase talents that deserve to be highlighted outside of just a show specifically to celebrate a marginalized identity. I'm curious to get your thoughts now because we we've watched all four editions of For the Culture. Like, was there anything that jumped out to you differently with 2023's edition? So one thing that stood out to me just kind of throughout the show, and that's not to say that this didn't happen in previous shows. I just was more aware of it um, this time around. But I felt like um, all of the talent was really paired well with each other. Like, there wasn't a match where I didn't feel like the talent didn't play off each other's strengths, if that makes sense. I just feel like the cards were matched up really well. No, yeah, I I completely understand that. I mean, that boils down to just good booking. And, you know, AJ did well with, with this show for the first three years, obviously. You know, gave us matches like... Two Cold Scorpio versus Rich Swan matches like Billy Dixon versus Hoodfoot in the, in the first all black death match last year, you know, and that continued on because you have another very, very capable booker in Billy Dixon who's just coming off of a, a really um, 
amazing run with Pro Wrestling Vibe now that that is shut down and now being put in, you know, being tapped by Brett Lauderdale to be in charge of For the Culture for the first time this year. Like, it speaks to the skill set that he's developed to continue that tradition of, you know, knowing exactly the right mixture of, of uh, like, personality and, and athleticism and talent that can go into how people play off of one another and putting them in the right spot in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I can completely understand that. Um, one thing that really stood out to me, and, you know, this isn't, again, this is not a thing based off of any real comparison to the of the first three for the cultures, but I felt like for the culture four had probably, it had really solid queer representation on it. It did. As well. Yeah, you know, like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, I, I do remember mentioning that to you while we were watching the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, because like we had six matches on this show. Four of them featured out talent, you know, and, you know, like that's that's a awesome thing to see. Like and there are a number of matches that feature multiple, you know. Um, so, or I guess, let me think. Actually, no, there was only one that featured multiple now that I'm thinking about it. But it doesn't matter. Either way, it's it's really cool to see that we're getting more, though, in that way. And they're being featured not because of any reason other than the fact that they that they can go, right? Right. You know, and that's what you... That's the what you want to have happen. Um, and, yeah, there is some crossover between, like, what we've seen at Pro Wrestling Vibe and at the Big Gay Brunch with some of the talents there. But one, it's WrestleMania weekend. They're all in town. They're, they're going to pop up on multiple shows in that way. But also, these are all people that we've seen on past For the Culture events, for the most part. Like, I know Devon's been on For the Culture before. Ash has been on For the Culture before. Trish has been on For the Culture before. I mean, Billy, obviously, has been on For the Culture before. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, Kita as well. You know, he's, he's been there, too. So you're, you're seeing more and more people continue to establish themselves within this brand specifically. I hate to call it a brand, but I mean like for the the name for the culture is what I mean by that, but it's more so about a community, I th- I think in in that way and what this show is meant to showcase, but there like, like certain people are becoming synonymous with it and and I'm loving the fact that that these people continue to get more spotlight by by being on this show. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I was thinking even with our first, the first match, um, I don't remember off the top of my head who all was in there, so. Well, we can, we can definitely jump into that here. Um, we have the, our little cheat sheet to refer to here, and we don't necessarily have to go, like, match by match. We can kind of tackle each thing as it comes up in that way, but bringing up the first, the opener, we had a seven-person scramble. Um, featuring Ashton Starr, Devon Monroe, Faye Jackson, Judez, Keita Murray, Teriyaki, and, of course, the all-father, the menace of all menaces, Darius Carter. <laughs> um, this one was exciting for me because, I mean, I've I've definitely seen plenty of shows with Darius, Ashton, Devon, Faye, so far, Keita, um, but I was excited because we actually got to see Teriyaki and I think also Judas in person. Was, I don't think... Was Judas in... 
we haven't we haven't seen Judas in in person yet. Oh, okay. No, because like, he's more of a he's he's definitely a West Coast guy, but more California. I see. Area California, Nevada, that whole scene down there. So we haven't had a chance to see Judas in person. We did see Teriyaki when we went to the SCI Rumble out in Tennessee um, back in, uh, in, in early March. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we definitely got to see Teriyaki live once before this. Um, <laughs> but anyway, you were, you were saying, though. Well, I was excited to see Teriyaki live, or uh, on the show after having seen him live. I thought, for some reason, I was thinking I'd also seen Judas, but mm. you've pumped a lot of different wrestling names in my head, so. I have. I have. <laughs> and we have seen Judas wrestle before. Yes. We just haven't seen him wrestle in person. In person. Yes. Um... Yeah, no, Teriyaki, he's been making some, some waves in GCW here and there. You know, GCW does run Atlanta from time to time, which is, you know, where Teriyaki is based out of, and, uh, a student at WWA4, you know, a, a school that is very quickly <laughs> leaving its mark uh, with this new, with a new generation of wrestlers. Um, people like Teriyaki, people like Jay Lucas, people like Larry um, Lazard. Um, people like Rico Gonzalez, uh, and of course, you know, a lot of talents that are very well known and have prominent places in, in the world of pro wrestling right now, people like AC Mack, Ashton Starr, Kiara Hogan, like those people trained at WWA4 as well, you know, that, and so you're continuing to see WWA4's prominence as a school rise, and you're seeing that through people like Teriyaki being on those GCW shows in Atlanta, being on GCW shows outside of Atlanta you know, being featured in multiple, in multiple places and continuing to have that profile grow. I mean, Teriyaki's been on, he's been on AEW Dark uh, mm. once or twice. You know, a number of these people have. Um, so, yeah, like, Teriyaki is outstanding and uh, has energy enough for three, diff- three people, <laughs> honestly. Um, but, yeah, I was excited to see Teriyaki on this card as well. This, this match was just... <laughs> This is a, a awesome opener just because everybody got to showcase something. If you watched Pro Wrestling Vibe, if you were a Pro Wrestling Vibe fan, Billy gave you some Easter eggs in this match as well. You know, but with Faye and Darius, obviously that being the last match in Pro Wrestling Vibe history, right? Right now, and you know, and and the the rivalry between the two of them that has spanned almost three years at this point. Um, so you got to see them mix it up again. You got to see like the position that Faye holds as like the as like the wrestling mother to a lot of people in that moment with Ashton and Devon like hugging their mother and then kicking her in the face. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like everybody like this is a really awesome performance from everybody in, in this match and everybody got a chance to shine. Um, very fitting that Darius comes out on top. Um, Why do you say that? Well, because I feel like Darius is hitting like a new stride, right? He's been he's been this good for a long time, but he hasn't necessarily gotten the chance from um, prominent like the what we what a lot of like wrestling fans would view as like the prominent independent promotions, right? Um, outside, like, of course, like, he showcased his talent at Pro Wrestling Vibe, he's been really great at Pro Wrestling Magic, at CCW, like, a number of places, BCW, up in the Northeast, like, he's been even really good for, for years at this point, but now he's getting the chance to come on to GCW and show that, 
You know, he just made his debut at Enjoy Wrestling in Pittsburgh, which, mm. you know, is very, very quickly grown into a, a prominent indie. Um, and, like, it's just cool to see Darius get these chances for me because, like, yes, he's a shitbag. He's an asshole. But I love him. But you <laughs> love to fucking boo him. And he's he so feeds good. off those boos. Oh, my God. Yes, he does. <laughs> He does, and like that's why I'm happy. I'm, I love seeing Darius get more opportunities. I know it's just creating more chances for him to be a fucking dick to the people that I love, but I want it because <laughs> that's what it's pro wrestling. You want that in your pro wrestling, right? So I don't know if you had any additional thoughts on on this one. Not too much. This was just like the this opening match was kind of where I started thinking like, oh, these. Like, they're playing off each other really well. And like I said, that just kind of kept coming up for me throughout the entire show. Yeah. Yeah, there were a number of people here with a lot of familiarity. Obviously, Ashton having the WWA4 connection. Like, I don't know if he's, like, how much him and Teriyaki have really known one another. I know, like, they both work of a couple of different independents, like, similar independents down there. But, of course, Ashton and Devon, a lot of interaction over the years, uh, Faye and Darius, yeah, just a bunch of different people. Ashton and Kita, you know, <laughs> like, uh-huh. like there's a lot of like inter- intersections there that that really makes for a, a lot of chances for people to play off of each other really, really well. Um, so yeah, that was a great way to open the the show, and that led into the second match. Um, or rather, let's not like I said, we weren't gonna go match by match here, but I want to know like what match kind of stood out the most to you the west coast versus the world i had a feeling (laughs) let's talk about that one real quick and then we could talk about one that that really struck a chord with me um as we kind of work through the card here yes so we had one of uh, a couple of uh east coast west coast battles i know this was west coast versus the world but for all intents and purposes, it was East Coast versus West Coast. That's what the chants were. That's what <laughs> I like all this other stuff, you know. But um, yeah, uh, so the teams were representing the East Coast: uh, AC Mac, Jay Malachi, JC Storm, Jeffrey John, and Team Captain Shug D taking on uh, the World, which was Wait, the uh, West Coast. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> Effective. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Damn it, I am mixing this all up. See, that's the thing. You call it West Coast versus the world. I I see it as West Coast, East Coast. Yes. Anyway, East Coast, the world. AC Mag, J Malachi, JC Storm, Jeffrey John, Shug D. West Coast, G Sharp, Maserati, Alpha Zoe, and Midas Creed, together known as the Conglomerate, uh, and of course Team Captain Kenny King, who uh, is a current star on Impact Wrestling. Um. What? Why did this match? Why did you choose this match as the one that kind of stood out to you the most? I mean, the West Coast may have won the match, mm-hmm. but the World won the entrance. <laughs> yes, and again, like this, this match was just really fun. Again, I I keep going back to this, but just because each each person just like really played off of each other in a way that was really entertaining for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this match had people who I was the least familiar with. 
overall, I, just because it's a pretty large. Yeah, I remember you asking me about certain people and like where they were from and like where they wrestled and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think it kind of stood out to me a little bit more because of that too. Um, was there anything in particular? I'm gonna gather my thoughts again, but was there anything oh, yeah. in particular that stood out to you about this match? Yes, I mean, obviously everyone working really well together, playing the story of it all, you know, it's very, you don't really need, like, whenever you do a West Coast versus the world or West Coast versus East Coast thing, you don't need much more story than that, right? But even then, you still got little bits and pieces of storytelling within within the match as well, you know, like, the constant, like, stare, like, like almost, like, stare down, showdown, or whatever you want to call it with J.C. Storm Maserati, you know, as they started interacting with one another and then each each uh team trying to like continually prevent them from from uh fighting one another or to like interfere whenever they were fighting and both of those women just saying with their with their fist uh leave me the fuck alone <laughs> i want to i want to fight this person <laughs> you know um I, one person that really stood out to me in this match though is jay malachi Jay Malachi, you know, out of North Carolina, you know, I've seen him. He's a regular at a Deadlock Pro out there. Um, I've seen him in a number of other places as well. This dude is one of the best up-and-coming high flyers that I've seen in a very, very long time. The hang time that he gets on some of his on some of his springboards is just astounding to me. And obviously, with the big, big dive you know, running and diving over the ring post onto the crowd out in the in the entryway there. Um, Malachi really showed his, his athleticism in this match, but he also showed his um, his character as well. I One moment that sticks out in my brain really is whenever he goes for his springboard cutter and G-Sharp catches him, and you see Jay Malachi's face, and you can see the, the outright horror <laughs> on his face that a man like G Sharp, who, you know, we've seen in Vegas multiple times, and if you don't know G Sharp, get to know G Sharp. Because this dude is tenacious and is only out to like destroy your body whenever he's in the ring, right? So when someone like G Sharp catches your like one of your signature moves like that and you are in his grasp, you know you fucked up. And Jay Malachi's face <laughs> showcased exactly that in that moment. Um, that I, was one other thing kind of about... Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, you're good. One Another thing about this match that I noticed, because we've been going to a lot of... You're like, a lot of the wrestling I've been consuming with you lately has been live shows. Um, so it was kind of interesting to watch this back... Um, uh, as it was recorded, just because I forgot some of the sort of magic the camera works, because I've gotten really used to being able to see all of the ring, so mm-hmm. I can see when somebody's kind of sneaking up yeah. on somebody else like that, and I couldn't with this, and that really added to some of that for me. Yeah, no, it, it definitely it definitely does. Like, being there live, and then watching it back again with you to, to you know, talk about it here, like, yeah. Like, there's definitely some things that happened live at the show that I don't think were picked up very well on the broadcast, which is totally fine because you want to have those moments, you know, where you just have someone just jump out of frame 
and, <laughs> and stop something. Or you see like some like character interactions, that, like crowd interactions that were funny to me personally, but didn't get picked up on. The, we'll get into that when we talk about Brian Keith and Two Cold Scorpio, because I didn't tell you about this when we were watching it, and I thought it was hilarious. Um, but but yeah, like this this match was outstanding. Kenny King, Kenny King's a known quantity. Kenny King is great. I think this is the first time you ever saw Kenny King, though. I'm curious yeah, that... I don't think that I had seen him before. No, um, it's really also. Really cool to see the conglomerate get a spotlight here too. I feel like Midas and and Alpha Zo, you know, wrestling in, and mainly in the Bay, right now uh, in California are really doing awesome stuff. And of course, AC Mac, Shug D, both outstanding talents in the Southeast that are, you know, they've they've done this for for long enough to know exactly what they're doing, and, and I think that they really showcase that well. Also, big shout out to to Jeffrey John in this match, uh, you know, because he, you know, he's someone that I know I haven't, you haven't seen before. And this might, I hadn't shown you before. Um, Babushka boy himself coming out of the, the Midwest <laughs> out there, uh, in, in like the Indiana, um, Illinois, Ohio area. Um, just really, really fun stuff. And I feel like he got a really fun showcase for himself in this match too. Obviously survivor series rules. It comes down to AC Mack, Shug D, against uh alpha zoe and kenny king and kenny king and alpha zoe roll both of them up and get they both get pinned at the same time uh <laughs> that was a very quick end it was i almost didn't see it <laughs> and the west coast wins because if you're on the west coast the west coast has to win right I mean, like I said, though, the world definitely won the entrance. The world won the entrance. It did. <laughs> especially with, I think it was Jay Malachi that was, I could be wrong. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head who was saying it, but somebody was, no, it wasn't Jay Malachi. It was, um, uh, God, who was it that came out? Somebody on the West Coast team came out and was just saying, fuck the world. And <laughs> yes. Like, and, I, and I'm just, like, I did not resonate with anything harder. <laughs> <laughs> Than, than those three words. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jens. Thank you so much for tuning into LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboy otm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show the mr video game super show i co-host that with uh, twitch streamers slacker kite and lady Merwin every monday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over on twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment 
Uh, this is your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment, sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. Um, so the mess that stood out to, to me the most, and this was a, a tough one, but... Um, I really liked Billy Dixon and Willie Mack. I know I, I'm talking about another Billy Dixon match, um, but like this just this match was super hard hitting from the get go. All those tit slaps, so many, so many. Um, but one thing I love about For the Culture and specifically Billy's interactions on For the Culture is that it seems like every year that he's been on the show in some capacity he is like standing up to a major name within the pro wrestling world on these shows you know um now the first time he came out and attacked aj gray after aj's match ahead of their um pop collar match at the big gay brunch um and then the next year was whenever he faced hoodfoot in that death match that was just iconic and then this year, he takes on Willie Mack, um, one of the most accomplished wrestlers not currently signed to any major company, which is a shame. Because he's, I mean, he's worked with Lucha Underground, he's worked with MLW, he's worked with Impact. You know, I, Willie Mack is somebody that uh, has all of the tools in his, in his tool chest uh, and it just kills it no matter where he goes. And it, it bums me out that he's not signed anywhere right now. Um, but yeah, this match, like they're going through tables, they're getting slammed on the outside. At one point, Willie Mack like tries to, well, doesn't try. He accomplishes it. He takes a steel chair and body slams Billy with the steel chair held to Billy's back on the floor. (laughs) Um, just brutal stuff. And then it ends with Billy blocking a stunner and pinning Willie Mack with a backslide, which is very very rare for what we see in pro wrestling but a a and, and a very very surprising moment you know both for being live in the audience as well as watching it back again like and but it just it kind of speaks to wrestling prowess in a way it's just like you know sometimes you just go back to the basics and you get, catch somebody right and you get that flash pin um and and it worked it worked for me in the, in this match like I really enjoyed it uh, and of course, this also marked Billy's first win for the culture. He, he, his, his first win at WrestleMania weekend, to my knowledge, um, uh, overall. And um, yeah, just I don't know. Like it was a really awesome moment to see, and then get the endorsement afterwards from from Willie Mac. And then of course, later on in the night, come out and make it very very known that he is coming for Trisha Dora's Pan African World Diaspora World Title. Right, he's been talking about that for a while now, but he's back on track and coming right after that thing. I hate to disappoint you, but mm-hmm. I was rooting for Willie. <laughs> you know what? That doesn't disappoint me. I want you to root for who you root for. I know, I know. Because, you know? like I said, I really, really like Willie Mack. Also, <laughs> like, I, like this thing is just like I, I was rooting for both of them because I like both of them and I love what they do in the ring and they did really well together. I just don't think that I'd seen Willie before. I, this is another thing where I don't think I had shown you a Willie Mac match before. Yeah. And I liked his entrance. 
Yes. I didn't know who he was going for at first, but then it was Willie versus Billy. And so I had to choose one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. For me, Willie had it in the moment. I can understand that. I can understand that wholeheartedly. Like, Willie Mack just does that. <laughs> <laughs> no. But it was, I really I really liked that match. Um, that and then the, um, God, the, the three-way for the Black Wrestlers Matter title was another one that really, really mm. stood out to me. Um, you know, Myron Reed defending against man like Darice and uh, Kevin Knight. You know, Kevin Knight fighting out of the L.A. Dojo, you know, signed to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, he's also been working in Impact a bit, too. Um, Myron Reed, you know, made his name in MLW. Um, outstanding wrestler out of, like, Louisville, Kentucky, in that area. Works a lot of indies there as well, um, holding that Black Wrestlers Matter Championship. And man like Darice finally coming over from the UK um, and, and giving us that awesome entrance. Like, I love the fact that he like, comes out and does his own, like, grime rap entrance. Um, yeah. It's, it's so good. Um, yeah. But really, it all boils down to these three dudes just threw everything at the wall and said, fuck it, we're going to try anything we want to try in this match. And, like, I was looking back at the time on this. This match only went, like, ten and a half minutes. It felt so much longer um, because of, um, because of like, what they were doing in, in a way, right? Because, like, you had a, a lot of high flying. You had a lot of um, really awesome sequences with the three of them there like what stands out to me really is like um byron going for a a a tope and you see like knight drop kicking him out of the midair um as he's going over the top rope you have the um obviously the the move right near the finish where myron hits the cutter coming out of uh coming out of a, a, a splash um like it was just they just worked so so well together and so fluid together. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that was the biggest and I'm sorry, I keep going back to it, but like I said, the the number one thing that stood out to me about the show is just watching the talent work with each other. Um, and how well I think that they accomplished that, and that was one of those matches that again really stood out to me as far as people working together. But s- same with um Scorpio Yes, Scorpio and Brian Keith. Yeah, yeah. Because um. I had I, I had I had I seen Scorpio. I don't think I had. Yes, Have he's I? been on past for the culture shows. Okay. Yeah, like I said, like he wrestled Rich Swan at the second one. Um, I don't think he was on the. Th- I have to look back at the card, um, and I apologize if I'm incorrect. I don't think he was on the third one, the one in Dallas last mm-hmm. year. But but yeah, like Col- Stu- uh, two- Lord, I'm mixing up. I'm mixing names around now. Too Cold Scorpio um, is a legend and um, is deserves to continue to be a fixture on this show. Um, he's kind of become somewhat of a measuring stick when it comes to For the Culture um, because like, he's facing these up-and-coming names uh, mm. whenever he's on these shows, you know. Um, and still showcasing that even at his age, you know, he's still doing the same things he was doing in, like, the early 90s. Yeah, I don't know why for this show it really just stood out to me a lot more. Like, um, I just remember his presence there uh, with this particular show. And 
yeah, I really enjoyed seeing him. Yeah, same. And like the way that him and and uh, Brian Keith matched up was awesome. You know, Brian Keith is someone who, you know, over the last like two to three years has really built himself into a national name. Um, you know, he's he's out of the Houston area, mm-hmm. uh, hence why the um, the uh, uh, Mike Jones interest <laughs> music. Which, by the way, finally experiencing the 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 still tipping. Uh, Brian Keith entrance for the first time that felt amazing <laughs> like like it's just a different level of electricity with that and then what I was talking to you about like in terms of like being there live in the broadcast like during Two Cold Scorpio's entrance you know he's like dancing with everybody around the ring right and then like there's like right in front of me there was this one dude who like started dancing with Two Cold Scorpio and like uh, it was a white dude, and he was doing like the like the knee cross yeah. thing with their hands and that sort of thing, right? Uh-huh. And whenever he got whatever <laughs> too cold, walked away from him. Keith came over to the side of the ring and just looked at him and said, "No, like no, we don't not doing that today." <laughs> like, <laughs> and I just I cracked up, I cracked up at it. It was just really good, but the match itself, yeah, like this was. Like, Too Cold, definitely known for his high-flying, but Awesome Strikes as well. Keith, an awesome striker, and they mixed really well together. Um, like And then, like, I don't know. Like, it was just so... I, I don't know how else to describe it, really, but really, really, really good. You know, like, it, it, it really felt like a moment where, you know, Scorpio you know, recognized Brian Keith as, like, the name that he is. You know, mm. afterwards. I definitely got that even without necessarily having that context mm-hmm. for Brian Keith for myself, just not being familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I could see why you, that was your takeaway too. Yeah. You know, and in another case of like, you know, Brian Keith getting the win with a, with a, with a roll up with a fat, with a flash pin, as opposed to uh, his finisher, you know, like it was this, I don't know. It was this really, a really awesome moment. Um, for this show and uh, like that that image of Brian Keith like you know pushing away the handshake and instead tipping his hat and then getting down on his knees and like bowing to Scorpio yeah like that that's that to me is like the image of the respect that that Two Cold Scorpio demands now and like the reputation that he has built for the past thirty plus years in pro wrestling because Two Cold Scorpio is somebody who's wrestled all over the world. You know, and that's what a lot of the people on this show hope to to do. They want to get to Scorpio's level in that way, and so like being able to share a ring with him, I'm sure that was a very like um, emotional moment for for Brian Keith to be able to have that that chance. Yeah. Well, there's only one match that we haven't talked about yet, and it's the main event of the show: the Pan African World Diaspora World Championship on the line. Trisha Dora, a thousand days. As champion, the only Pan African World <laughs> Pan African World Diaspora World Champion ever, defending against Calvin Tankman, um, another outstanding talent out of Indianapolis, Indiana, one of the co-founders of NapTown All Pro out there. Shout out J Rose. Um, like the this match was stellar. Like it was exactly what you would expect to get from from Trisha from a Trisha Dora performance and exactly what you would expect to get from a Calvin Tankman performance but mixed in with a story of like you know 
overcoming the odds in a way because you know Trish Calvin's like 300 a 350 pound like strong like go ahead to say he is built like a tank man yes he is (laughs) and he puts all of it to outstanding use um and very very agile as well I will say I didn't see him break much of that out in this match but Tankman Tankman's agile I've seen him hit some some interest some interesting and really fun stuff but yeah this match um was just all about the struggle and clashing of styles in 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 a way and just really produced magic to to close out this one you know tankman with his you know his hidden blade elbows and you know um his, using his power to try and like set up that tankman driver finisher that he uses trish continuing to be able to slip out of these things you reverse momentum in a way to, to capitalize on aspects of it until that final moment where finally she gets tankman down and stunned enough to where she can like she gets that remember that face that she made in that iron match that we watched a while back like just like that this pure intensity yes on her face you get that moment at the end of this as well runs out of the corner nails the lariat tubman and then goes right into the cattle mutilation submission finisher to uh, make uh, get a verbal tap out from Calvin Tankman to finish this one off. Yeah, this was another one of those matches where I was appreciative of the camera just being able to get some of those facial expressions. Um, and then I'm, you know, I'm a huge fan of Trisha Dora, so I there's always a worry when there's a size differential, but I also know that that doesn't necessarily matter, and obviously that shows. <laughs> I mean, we've seen Trish accomplish this time and time again, right? I mean, right. But whenever she won the title initially, she had to, at least, you know, Mr. Grimm was part of that match. And Mr. Grimm, much like Calvin Tankman, big, strong powerhouse with deceptive agility to him. Mm. Um, so, like, yeah, it makes sense that, that you know, th- that, that style would still mesh really well there. And, and honestly, both of them are very, very accomplished and... Um, you know, I've been recognized for that accomplishment as well. So it makes total sense that they would, you know, work so well together in that way. But yeah, like I, I thought that they were outstanding here. And I would be curious to see Billy versus Trish. I mean, it's it's gonna happen at some point, right? It's got to. We keep getting the we got the tease at the end of, after this at the end of this match and the post match. Um, Billy's been tweeting up a storm about you know being a future world champion. Um, he's tweeted out pictures of the belt and has <laughs> talked about his love for the belt itself, which again, one of the prettiest belts in all the pro wrestling. My God. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, yeah, like that, that's, that's where all paths are leading to right now. It's just a matter of where that match is going to happen. You know, is that going to happen at fight club? You know, where that title was created? Is it going to happen somewhere else? Like, I will know. be sad if that belt is ever taken from Trish. I understand. I, I totally understand it. Like, you know, that that's the one thing. It's like title reigns, unfortunately, are, are never infinite for the most part. Uh, but, like, Trish has been an, an amazing champion so far and will continue to be an amazing champion. And whoever does eventually knock her off for that title... Uh, She'll win it back. Oh, oh of course. <laughs> yeah, no, that... <laughs> Trishador and that title are attached at the hip at this point. If you separate her from that title belt, she's going to do anything she can to get it back. So, 
I'm I'm not I I'm here for whatever comes from from the the, the story paths that we see fall out from wh- from whatever happens with Trish versus Billy clash down the line. But yeah, so that was for the culture four. Um, did you have any like final wrap up wrap wrap up thoughts or anything like that for the show? Um. Not not too much other than just, you know, my general appreciation for why they do this show. Um, I think that's why we watch it every year and why, you know, we then discuss it just, you know, for the culture. <laughs> it's, it's true. You know, it is one of my favorite shows for, for WrestleMania week, for sure. You know, it's always one, like, it's always like, Big Gay Brunch and For the Culture are the two that are, like, must-watch. With me, at least. With you. Yes. But must-watch overall, honestly, for me. Ah. You know, like, those are, like, two love. As soon as as soon as soon I hear about wherever WrestleMania week's going to happen, I'm thinking, like, okay, are these two shows going to happen? And then who are going to be on these two shows? Because, like, for me, and a lot of the work that I do, obviously I focus on a marginalized community with in terms of the LGBTQ community, but that mission spreads out beyond just that for me as well like i want to see more representation across the board and i want spaces to celebrate that as well and for me like that's another reason why this show is so important is because like you know recent news coming out about black wrestlers matter having to cancel their their um upcoming show um you know, I still don't necessarily know. I don't necessarily know the reasons behind it, but you know, like that, Black Wrestlers Matter is one of the places that has really been creating a space for Black wrestlers outside of for the culture, right? Right. So I mean, m- their title was in the show, exactly. So. But like to hear that, like you know, their whatever for whatever reason that that show, their their next show has been canceled, and the future of that of that company is kind of up in the air right now because of it, like. It's really it, it makes me think that a show like for the culture is even more vital in that way because of what it represents but it also speaks to like we need to continue to be supporting the companies that provide this level of representation in these spaces outside of for the culture right. as well you know and I know like you know Naptown is doing great stuff in terms of representation obviously Fight Club in DC is still doing outstanding stuff uh, in terms of representation, even though they're now having to run outside of DC because of the issues that have come up with the commission that have been made public in other places there, um, but but we're seeing we're seeing more and more like you know, companies like Battle Slam down in Atlanta as well. Um, we're seeing more spaces pop up, but we need to keep investing in and 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 going to these these shows that are creating those spaces. That's the overarching match that's coming out of For the Culture for me is that, like, if we want to continue to have these kinds of shows and cultivate this t- this level of talent, we need to make sure that the spaces that they build for themselves are not compromised. Right. Yeah. So. But, yeah, so that was For the Culture 4. Um, thank you again, Casey, for, for coming on the show again. Um, I'm sure we'll chit chat about wrestling again somewhere down the line <laughs> but um but yeah like i don't know i always feel weird because i always end with like I, I always end every show like asking like people to plug their stuff and like i know like i still haven't come up with a good like insert because i know you don't really have anything 
to plug for yourself at the end of the show. But yeah, I'm on the internet, but I don't know if I want to advertise where. So no, no I don't blame you. <laughs> but I, I, if you can find me, then say hi. Yes, if you can find them. <laughs> don't try and find them. Well, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I'll leave. I'll leave that up for you to decide. <laughs> you as in the fans. Yes. Well, more like you as you. But. Oh, well, I mean, I've only plugged wherever I am online in the past, so. True. There's nowhere new. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, thank you again, sweetie. No problem. My thanks once again to Casey for coming on the show and covering yet another edition of For the Culture here. Um, once again, like I said, during the, the body of the show there, like it's a show that I look forward to every year. Um, and yeah, well, we're going to keep on covering it because it's just uh, too much fun and too important to not cover. Um, before we get out of here today, though, um, since, you know, we didn't necessarily have an an intro, a solo intro part like we normally do on the show. Uh, this time around, um, I want to take a moment here at the end to address the uh, the lawsuit that uh, came out uh, or was filed rather uh, on Wednesday uh, against the WWE, alleging uh, discrimination on racial and gender um, lines by the multiple people at WWE, um, you know. WWE itself, as well as Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, a number of writers, including uh, Ryan Callahan, um, have been named as defendants in, in this civil suit filed by Brittany Abrahams. Um, and reading through the the filing uh, earlier today, as I recorded this on Wednesday night, um, was uh, harrowing and unsurprising based on um, a lot of the the culture of WWE as a workplace um, that we've, you know, we've heard about, we've heard bits and pieces here and there, right? We've seen some of that play out in some of the decisions that they've made. You know, I know a lot of people kind of went back to the whole Jordan Miles t-shirt fiasco. You know, we've seen this stuff play out multiple times on WWE programming, you know, whether like in the announcement of crime time, citing they were going to be a parody of stereo black stereotypes, so to speak. Paraphrasing there, not the exact wordage from the the article that went up on WWE.com back whenever Crime Time was debuting. You know, we've seen it in even in the programming as well. He's like Vincent Man dropping a racial slur on on live programming, you know. Um there's so there are many, many examples to cite over a, a wide breadth of time, you know, and we're seeing it pop up now. We're not necessarily pop up now because it's popped up in the past as well in terms of like um, not just black or African-American representation on programming or in the, um, the writer's room um, or in the corporate structure there, but we're also, there's examples in the complaint about, obviously the stuff about, and sore and and the allegations that Callahan was saying, you know, wanting to have 
have a secret in the storyline about Mansoor be that he was, uh, you know, behind the 9-11 attacks and that sort of thing. Just, just patently um, racist, um, Islamophobic. And then, of course, you know, stuff about Shane Thorne's character being a, a hunter uh, and hunting Reggie and uh, these talks about, like, seeing Reggie in a cage, like a black man in a cage, just completely gross um, depictions that are being pitched by writers um, there and that are being addressed by other people in the writer's room, but having those things not uh, being taken seriously or being um, facing repercussions for bringing those things up. Obviously, the stuff with the WrestleMania chair in there is another thing that speaks to more of the corporate structure and speaks to ways that um, harassment of employees um, can come in what might feel like an innocuous form at times, but, you know, in actuality, like that's that's kind of patent there a patented definition of of a of a microaggression um in a way or even more than a microaggression at times depending on the context of when these things happen you know obviously we don't get everything from reading the complaint right but there's enough in there to just make you um just feel slimy while reading it especially if you are a wrestling fan and a WWE fan, because, you know, you can't ignore these things about the, about what goes on at, at the company, right? And it's not that we haven't known about this stuff. You know, there are many people that know about this stuff and either, you know, turn a blind eye to it or, um, you know, just rationalize it as like, well, we're watching the show, we're not watching for the people behind there or like the presentation on raw or SmackDown does it like watching that doesn't mean that I'm supporting this company. When, that's bullshit. You are. All right. Um, and that's before you mean <laughs> more stuff in the complaint, like talking about dressing Reggie up in drag as a character. Like, great. Like I know a lot of this complaint and in the, in the, in this lawsuit hinges on, you know, racial and gender discrimination, faced by Abrahams, right? Um, but let me tell you, whenever um, I see that stuff, it just brings back all of the ways that WWE has represented uh, queer identities on their television or use queer identities to lampoon us, um, use us as the butt of the joke constantly, and honestly, like I said, it's it's just further confirmation of what we already knew. And you have to understand that um, you have to understand what you're supporting, right? You know, I mean, like we, I made the decision that on this show we were not going to cover WrestleMania because of the the allegations against Vince McMahon that came out last summer, right? If he was still in power. In any way, shape, and form at the company, we weren't covering WrestleMania. He was, we didn't. We made that decision, and just like, um, just like myself with the show, um, every individual has to make that decision for themselves. If they feel like you can still support and watch what this company puts out on a weekly basis, 
understanding what might be going on behind the scenes, what are attitudes towards marginalized identities and marginalized populations that go on back there. Because we see we see plenty of that on the on-screen product, um, and we're now we're seeing that it's even more um, prevalent in some ways uh, behind the scenes there. And it's just immensely frustrating that you need to factor these things into your own decisions about whether you actually want to support and you know, like we have done shows on on this podcast covering WWE events in the past, knowing full well that they were still doing these things because I felt like it was a I felt like there was it was a need to continue to cover at least WrestleMania every year um, because of what it signified in, within the pro wrestling world. Despite all of the times I've had to write about WWE mishandling queer identities in the presentation of a character or a presentation of an angle over on Outsports. And trust me, like that is, that's been uh, a thing that I've done a fair amount of. Um, but I just don't, I don't have that in me anymore. I don't, I can't ignore these things. Right. So I don't know what that looks like in terms of the future for WWE coverage on this show, in terms of like covering shows and that sort of thing. But um, it's immensely disappointing to to read through that complaint and just see how far the roots of this problem within WWE go, according to the allegations made in the complaint, right? Um. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see how the, the, this develops over time. This is definitely going to be something that we continue to watch as the proceedings un, uh, unfold. But um, safe to say, it's a it's a hard read at times. But um, it's out there if you want to check it out for yourself. If you want to educate yourself on it, um, I suggest that you do. If you are a fan of WWE, uh, if the Vince McMahon allegations weren't enough to make you think about where you invest your your time and money, honestly. Um, maybe this will bring that conversation back to your mind. I don't know. I don't even, I mean, honestly, I'm speaking to the audience of this show. <laughs> like, I, many of y'all have already, might have already made up your decision for yourself or, you know, have already gone to look at these things, you know, but I don't know. It doesn't. Either way, it doesn't matter. Just continue to educate yourself on the, what you are endorsing and investing in. Well, that is going to do it for the show this week. But um, come back next week. We're going to have another episode. Uh, like we, uh, I say we always do. I know last week was a, a different thing, but you know we're we're getting back on track now. Keep your eyes out. Uh, Patreon is going to be launching in May, and I'm very excited about that. Um, yeah. Those announcements are coming. Um, but until next week, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. Same goes for monkeypox. And uh, shout out to the 0121. Bye. She made a deal with the demon so a lover could live With the moon is high and the devil is shot and stick It's the formula 666